0: Hey, Kai Alpha. I want to ask you a question. What is one thing that you could not live without? What's something that you would say, I could not live without this. I rely on it completely. Maybe it's your best friend or your mom. You rely on them being there when you need to talk. Maybe you say it's your smartphone, and I don't know how I'd live without it. Or the internet. Or your PlayStation. I don't know how I'd live without it. For some of you, it's coffee, right? Or caffeine or chocolate. You'd say, I do not know how I would live without this thing. I rely on it. I need it. Uh, What are those things that we rely on for our everyday life? You know, we may be reevaluating what some of those things are in the middle of this global pandemic where we don't have access to some of those things. If some of the things we depended on, relied on, were hanging out with friends and spending time with people, that certainly changed and looks dramatically different in this season. I know that it's affected the ministry of Chi Alpha. I mean, how we do university ministry has changed dramatically in this season. You know, some of the things we rely on at the beginning of a new school year to connect with new students, big outreaches and parties and events, uh, tabling where we give away frozen lemonade uh, and other things on campus to connect with students. Some of those things that we've relied on for years, well, that looks different now, right? And so uh, we've had to shift things around and reevaluate those kind of things. Um, the things we rely on uh, in, the, in this season uh, are, are changing and, and we've got to reevaluate that. Um, we rely on those things and one thing i think the lord is doing in this season he's causing us to rely less on things and more on him and that's a good thing you know the modern church modern christianity often relies on a lot of things to communicate the message of the gospel slick presentations and sights and sounds uh, modern technology comfortable seating uh, none of which is bad right these can be helpful things for connecting with people engaging the culture they can be great tools uh, but modern Christianity has a lot of resources available to help a person grow in their relationship with God. Uh, lots of resources to help someone grow in their faith. Right? We have a lot of things available to us that the early church didn't have. The early church didn't have really any of these things. But what did they rely on? What did they depend on? The early church relied completely on the power of the Holy Spirit. They had lives filled with purpose and power because even though they didn't have the same resources that we have today, they were completely dependent on God and the assistance of the Holy Spirit in every aspect of life. They relied totally on the power of the Holy Spirit in ways that that the modern church and even myself have kind of gotten away from. Two weeks ago, we launched a brand new series studying the New Testament book of Acts. And we're simply calling this series Church, because that's what it is. It's a study of the early church, of the first Christians, the first followers of Jesus. Uh, We're we're looking at the lives of these first believers and seeing what we can learn about community, what we can learn about the heart of God as we study their lives. In your life groups this week, you finished the first chapter of Acts, where we saw these believers meeting together constantly for prayer Uh, And and we also looked at what it looks like to have the Lord help us and guide us in making important decisions. You know, the followers of Jesus sought the Lord's guidance for replacing Judas and what what that looked like and and allowed God to guide guide their decisions there. Again, we're told they met constantly together to pray. Last week, we talked about how Jesus ascended to heaven with the promise to one day return for us. We talked about what that ascension means for us. Before ascending, Jesus had given a command to his followers to make disciples of all nations. He gave them a plan and a purpose to see all of mankind reconciled to himself. He revealed this plan to them, uh, but he said he didn't want them to get started with it just yet, but to wait until they received power from the Holy Spirit. They needed to wait in Jerusalem to be baptized with his Holy Spirit. And so these followers, these, these new Christians, they do exactly that. They go to Jerusalem. And they're there and waiting and praying and waiting for what the Lord had promised. They didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. And we're going to pick up there tonight in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 1. It's a harvest festival is going on there in Jerusalem. A harvest festival called Pentecost. And Jewish people are there from all over the world. They're gathered there in Jerusalem to celebrate. So Acts chapter 2, we're going to read it starting in verse 1. It says this, When the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place. Talking about the believers, the followers of Jesus. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Verse 7, they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from Galilee, yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Luke then lists uh, several different uh, nations and regions where these people were from. Uh, Verse 9 here, we are, they say, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs. And we all hear people speaking in our own language of the wonderful things that God has done, right? So people from Basically, every region of the known world at that time, Jews that had been scattered to these places are now gathered in Jerusalem for this festival, uh, and they, they hear this, this amazing sound, uh, and they hear these Galilean men speaking uh, in their own native language. They say, how can this be? How can this be? What can this mean, they asked each other. But others, this is verse 13, others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're drunk, that's all. Now, I'm not sure why this seemed like adequate Explanation for why they're hearing their own language. But, but some say, oh, they're just, they're just babbling. It's just nonsense. They're just drunk. Look at this, verse 14. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. And again, at this point, thousands had gathered. Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. That's a fair point. No, what you see is what was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Peter points to a prophecy from hundreds of years prior about this exact event. You know, God has poured out his Holy Spirit. Um, There's miraculous signs that have accompanied that. We heard that there was the sound of a rushing wind. There's tongues of fire above their heads. They're speaking in other languages. Peter says this was prophesied long ago, and he points them to Joel, and he quotes here Joel chapter 2. Verse 17, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my Spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke, The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. So here in this prophecy from Joel, we see an explanation of some of these amazing signs that they're currently witnessing as well as a promise of other miraculous signs that would mark the Lord's return and Jesus' second coming. But all of this is pointing to Jesus, all of it points to the hope that we have in Jesus. And you can see that right here at the end of Joel's prophecy in verse 21. Peter says, But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and that's how he ends his time quoting that prophecy everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved these people aren't drunk they're not mad no this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that God promised us years ago that Jesus promised as well uh, these are the signs that we, we were told to expect and everyone who now calls on the name of the Lord will be saved saved from what Saved from death, saved from sin and the bondage we have to our sins and addictions, saved and rescued from the separation that we currently have from God by putting our trust in Jesus, what Jesus did for us on the cross. We can be saved, rescued uh, from a life of sin, a life bound to sin and death, and we can be adopted into the family of God. We can have our sins forgiven and we can have a relationship with God restored. That's what it means to be saved, to put your hope in Jesus, have your sins forgiven, and have new life, eternal life, because of that faith in Jesus. After this short explanation to the crowd about the supernatural signs that they were witnessing, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, goes on to preach a simple gospel message, and in response 3000 people join the church. Think about that. Right? This same Peter who just weeks prior had deserted Jesus, right? When Jesus was arrested, Peter deserted. Later Peter denied even knowing Jesus. This same Peter who we had seen was timid and afraid is now boldly, under the power of the Holy Spirit, boldly preaches and we see 3000 people joined the church. Man, what a huge difference. What a tremendous difference that baptism of the Holy Spirit made in his life. Like we said, the early Christians didn't have big buildings or technology or polished presentations. They didn't have millions of resources at their fingertips. They relied instead completely on the power of the Holy Spirit and with that saw tremendous results. Peter and the other followers of Jesus were dramatically changed in this moment on the day of Pentecost full of the Holy Spirit. And it's this filling of the Holy Spirit. Um, If that's not something you've experienced in your own life, I encourage you to ask God for that as well. Say, God, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit like these believers were that I see in Acts chapter 2. I need that power in my life uh, to be a bold witness for Jesus. Ask God for it. Seek God for it. As we continue our study uh, in the book of Acts in the weeks to come, we're going to look at other outpourings of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. We're going to continue to discuss the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And remember what Jesus said in Acts 1.8, the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said he wanted them to wait to receive power on high so that they could be a bold witness for him. That's the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, is to be a bold witness for Jesus. So I want to ask you that. Do you need greater boldness in your own life, greater boldness for living out your faith and sharing it with others. Of course, right? We all do. And we need God's help to be a bold witness for Jesus. Jesus commanded, I don't want you to try to do it in your own strength, with your own excitement, your own enthusiasm. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Wait and be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that's something I need. That's something we all need. As we continue our Acts study Uh, We're going to see the rest of what Peter had to say to the crowd there on the day of Pentecost. And what was it that he said that that there was this miraculous response of 3,000 people uh, joining the body of Christ that day? right and again as we as we uh, go to our family groups we're going to discuss a little more uh, and and talk about the baptism of the holy spirit the power of the holy spirit in our lives but i want to encourage each and every one of you to ask god say god would you baptize me in your holy spirit i want to be full of the holy spirit saturated with the holy spirit like these early believers are i may rely on a lot of different things right there may be a lot of things that i depend on but god help me not to depend on anything more than i depend on you right let me not lean on my own Wisdom or understanding, but let me lean on the wisdom of God. Let me not depend on my own strength or ability, but let me lean on the strong arm of God. God, I need to be filled with Your Holy Spirit so that I can live out the life that You've called me to live—to live a bold life that's a good witness for Jesus and what He's done. Uh, so I want to encourage you guys with that, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna kick it now to the family groups where you guys can discuss this together. I love you, and hope you have a great rest of your week.